Voyage. How? They've got Randy. What? I told you, you need to fix that leak. Wait, 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 wait. Slow down. They grabbed her in broad daylight. When? Just now. She called me. She, she never calls me. I could hear her. She was fighting with someone. Sounded like two guys, at least. One of them spoke to me, confirmed Ramon was behind it, and hung up. Christ. Okay, I'm on it. We'll put a trace on our phone. We'll be halfway to Kuli Khan by the time we get a hit. Uh, let me mobilize my team. Triangulate with Seattle law enforcement and get back to you. Where are you right now? Yakima. But I'm thinking about rattling some cages. I can't imagine what you must be feeling. But I want you to sit tight until you hear from me, okay? Can't do that. How? Listen to me. We don't need this situation to get any worse. There's only one way for it to get worse. If that happens... I couldn't even say it. But I knew every minute that passed meant Randy was closer to the border. And if her kidnappers managed to successfully cross the border with her into the lion's den, the likelihood of her returning or being found alive would go from slim to none. Knowing full well what the cartel was capable of, I couldn't stop cycling through the various possibilities. For starters, they would violate her. Of that, I was certain. Without regard for the fact that she was pregnant. Dogs, beheading, an acid bath. The only thing worse than knowing Ramon would take great pleasure in her torture was that I was ultimately responsible for it. I'd give everything to trade places with her. Turns out, that's exactly what Ramon had in mind. Hola, amigo. Long time no speak. How's the antiques business? You come back from the dead, but all of your friends and loved ones are looking to leave you. Hmm. How lonely your life must be, Senor Bradley. Or Senor Kelly, or El Zorro, or Pastor Hal, whoever you are. Maybe you don't even know anymore. It took all I had not to reply. I'm the one who's going to kill you. But given the situation... I want to talk to my wife. An attractive woman. Your wife. A good Christian gringa. I always figure if you settle down, it would be with a senorita. Like that little village boot that you were so in love with. Veronica. Do you still think about her? I bet you do. Those eyes, those lips, so eager to please. You would not think a girl who possessed the face of an angel would be capable of such depraved things. You know, she worked for me. It's true. Supported her mother and sister for years. Until this salvaje, this gorilla, got rough with her. Broke her jaw. Like turning a Botticelli into a Picasso. Sadly, I had to let her go. But at the end of the day, she was born into it. What chance did she have? Unlike your poor wife. Let me talk to her. Why should I play nice when I am the one holding all the cards? Then just tell me what you want. You were willing to pay two million for your freedom. But that was another lifetime ago. 
And I assume you value her life more than yours? So tell me, how much is her life worth to you? To have crossed the line. If you are looking to blame someone, I suggest you look in your own backyard, my friend. Forty-nine billion your fellow Americans spent getting their fix last year. Thirty-one on cocaine alone. And twelve billion on the war on drugs. I wonder how much they'd be willing to spend your new employers to get your gringa back. I wonder what her life is worth to them. Is it me you're mad at? Or God? Why would I be mad at God? He didn't take from me. You and your friends at the DEA left me no choice. This all started because of you. On that, we agree, amigo. Never forget that I made you. Without me, you'd be peddling dime packs to college kids and dipping your hands in the collection plate on Sundays to keep a roof over your head. Instead, I'm the one who took a huge bite out of your profits, disrupted your North American pipeline, and created enough competition you tried using Antonio to take me out. What were you and El Capitan planning to do if your little plan succeeded? Ask for a sit-down over cervezas and chiles rellenos? The plan was for you to go to jail. And he believed you. And now he's dead. Christ sacrificed only himself. How many people will have to die for this crusade of yours? It's up to you. <sighs> I miss the old days. It's a shame. You and your wife could have lived happily ever after. Maybe have some kids, grown your flock. But now... Now you will come to Culiacan, to Mexico, your true hogar, amigo, and surrender, not to God, to me. That is the only way this will end. Vida por vida. Of everything he said, what stood out the most was what he didn't. The way he spoke about Randy. The future we might have had? She was five months and starting to show. He'd take pleasure in holding her fate and that of my unborn son over me. Maybe he didn't know. Maybe there was still time. I relayed the conversation to Mike. He updated me on the kidnapping. Seems Randy was grabbed in the parking lot of the Galleria where she'd relocated Randy's attic. A bystander saw two men in ski masks speed off in a brown panel van with a woman matching her description. He warned me not to go full Charlie Bronson as they combed through security footage to try and ID the kidnappers of the vehicle. Told me to have faith, pray for a lucky bounce. But my faith was telling me to follow my instincts, check up on a few former associates. So I headed south, shook some branches, and what fell out was Oscar. Oscar was a bottom feeder who was fortunate to be brothers with Goyo, one half of the B team Ramon had sent with Antonio to the Pat Kelly meet. 
Goyo was competent at best, but Oscar was borderline useless. Despite Ramon's encouragement, I would tried to avoid relying on him for transpo and security as much as possible. But I knew he lived in NorCal, and he happened to own a brown panel van, which was sitting in his driveway as I surveilled his place. Which is when Mike called back. We got a plate. Yeah. Well, a partial. Cali. First three digits. Should help narrow it down. Six Foxtrot Charlie, right? Wait. What? Six Foxtrot Charlie? And the other three are two seven Victor? How the hell? Where are you right now? I'm gonna have to call you back. How? What? The rhythmic bump of rap music, the smell of weed, meth, seemed more like a party than a kidnapping. But then to quote a guy I served with, Oscar always was all foam, no beer. The kitchen door was unlocked. I entered to find Oscar and another goon I only sort of recognized high off their asses playing video games. The goon drew on me. It took me a sec to realize it was an actual piece instead of a game controller. Ah! Oscar, sit down. Shit, man. You killed him. You want to join him? Sit your ass back down on that couch. I clocked the zip ties and black ski masks on the coffee table amongst all the party favors. Anyone else here? Who the hell are you? Answer me. Nah, man. Nobody's here. Couple homies just kicking it, huh? Where'd you get those scratches? What scratches? Left cheek. Other left genius. You been in a fight? Get too handsy with the girls in the champagne room again? Shit. I remember you. I know you. Congratulations. You and your dead homie kidnapped my wife in that piece of shit van, didn't you? Bro, you need to chill. I don't know nothing about your old lady. Where is my wife? Where is my wife? Shit, man. I already told you. She with Goyo? What? I think you just blinked, Oscar. How the hell do I know where my brother is, huh? Because he has my wife. I swear to God, man. God is listening, but he doesn't believe you. And neither do I. Despite parallels to the Mafia, cartels more closely resemble military operations. It's easy to view the violence employed in both as unilaterally barbaric, but in the cartel, as in war, each act serves its own objective. Both worlds taught me torture is a tool that serves many functions. Sometimes it's to send a message, sometimes it's symbolic, sometimes it's spiritual, an offering. Sometimes it's defensive tactic. Most often, it's a superior form of information gathering. I've witnessed acts of torture too many times to recount. Carried them out more times than I'd care to admit. But as far as being on the wrong end of the gun, only once. I survived by the grace of God. It was more than enough. With the help of a lighter, broken glass, and a few household chemicals, I was able to persuade Oscar to talk. He confirmed that he and his buddy were told to grab and sit on Randy, who Goyo and Mando were now transporting south in a black SUV headed for a storage facility in San Isidro, cartel stash house and distribution center where Ramon himself would be making a rare appearance on U.S. soil to address the troops, appoint a new El Capitan to take over for Antonio and personally escort my wife back across to the lion's den. Got a license plate for that SUV? How am I supposed to know? Anything else? Told you everything. Good. Oscar. I believe you.
I called Mike back, downloaded him on everything. Jesus Christ, Hal. What the hell am I supposed to tell my boss? That you need a tactical team in place with eyes on that facility in San Isidro, ready to apprehend Ramon Garcia and at least eight identified cartel members by 0500. Sure. Anything else? How quickly can you get your hands on a chopper? Given the circumstances under which we met, it was never lost on me how lucky I was to have Mike in my corner. We needed each other. We respected each other. We trusted each other. As more and more was asked of me, I asked a lot of him. He always went to bat for me, back my play. I've not met many men before or since, on either side of the law, whose allegiance was as absolute as Agent Scott's. Give me an hour. Where are you? Four, six, seven, Sierra Verde, Mount Shasta. Residence? Apartment? You'll know when you see it. Mike was able to grab four of his guys out of Seattle, with a half dozen more pulled from CBP's anti-terrorism unit waiting for us in San Isidro, the busiest land border crossing in the Western Hemisphere. 90,000 people a day moving between Tijuana and San Diego, more than 1,500 of them illegally. This was the early 90s, shortly before Operation Gatekeeper, long before Trump's wall. Back then, a much easier place to port humans, weapons, and drugs. The fight to control the Tijuana Plaza was bloody and constant. It made sense Ramon would instruct them to take Randy here. The cartel had stash houses and distribution centers up and down the border. That he was coming across himself, I didn't expect. But then, he'd be expecting me to be en route to Culiacan. The storage place was actually a gated complex of four warehouses. When we set up camp in a neighboring facility, there wasn't a soul in sight. And so we waited. And waited. I grew increasingly anxious, my stomach in knots. What if Oscar was lying? What if Ramon didn't trust Oscar, fed him bogus intel? What if I'd sent us on a wild goose chase? Just before dawn, an SUV finally pulled through the electronic gates, followed shortly by three more. I watched via night vision as men got out, commandantes, generals, lieutenants, soldados. Real cast of characters. Let's run all those plates. Cross-index for aliases, accomplices. See anyone you recognize? A few familiar faces. But no Ramon. No Randy. The men disappeared inside one of the warehouses. Nearly an hour went by. I felt the knot in my stomach tighten. Where are you, you son of a bitch? As we continued to clock the warehouse through thermals, we suddenly realized there were more bodies inside than we'd seen enter. There. That's him. That's Ramon. Better be right. With snipers providing cover, we moved in and surrounded the warehouse. From inside, I could hear Ramon addressing the troops. More like dressing them down. The man loved to hear himself talk. Surprise, motherfucker. A couple guys tossed their weapons, but the rest were clearly ready to die for their jefe de jefes. In the chaos and confusion, I got a bead on Ramon, had him in my sights, until I didn't. He just seemed to vanish before my eyes. And that's when I discovered how he'd slipped past us, an opening in the floor no more than three feet wide. I lowered myself into the shaft, which stretched deep into the dark and at least 
30 feet until I found myself in a 3x5 tunnel. Narco tunnels became increasingly popular later thanks to El Chapo, for whom they were something of an art. But pre-9-11, the borders didn't pose as difficult a challenge, and the creation of a tunnel was a major undertaking, requiring immense amounts of money, bodies, and time. But for the richest cartels, it provided the ultimate guarantee against Border Patrol an advantage over the competition. The one Ramon had built between Tijuana and San Isidro, I later learned, cost an estimated one million and was 3,600 feet long. Nearly three quarters of a mile. A super tunnel, they called it. I ventured further into the dark, stale, humid air pressing down on me, dust choking my lungs. I felt like I was back in Fort Polk. The training grounds at Tigerland were made up of mock villages, a whole underground tunnel system full of punji sticks, booby traps, and spider holes, mud, snakes, and mosquitoes. A hell on earth close enough to the real thing, they dubbed it Little Vietnam. Every man a tiger. Ramon! Drop it. Drop it or I'll kill you. Where is she? Where's my wife? I told you. You'd have to come to Mexico. Another four or five hundred feet, maybe you'd have made it. Vete a la mierda. He was gut shot. I couldn't tell how badly. Do it. You think they'll give you a hero medal? You can pretend you're one of them, but you will never be one of them. Shoot me. The head of the snake will grow back and hunt you down. You and... Tu y tu puta esposa gringa. Another minute or two, other agents would find us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Press the gun to his head. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Wasting your breath, pendejo. I see God. I'll be sure to tell him who you really are. A sinner just like me. A criminal. A murderer. Hal, you there? Hal, we found Randy. My heart caught in my throat. She was dead. Ramon knew he was going down and had called in the order. She's alive. Hear me? Stand down. Hal, stand down. Who was more surprised? Me or him? I'll never forget the look on his face. Ramon, alive, house. Stand down. Randy had managed to escape Goyo and Mando. Got her zip-tied wrists around Mando's neck while they were driving down I-5 South. SUV swerved, crashed into another car and flipped. Mando was DOA. Goyo survived and they took him into custody. Randy was rushed to Scripps Memorial Hospital. She was pretty banged up, but she was alive. For you have delivered my soul from death. Indeed, my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. It's really you? It's really me. You're an amazing woman, you know that? 
fought as hard as I could. I know. Saw the licks you got in on one of the guys who grabbed you. I thought I was going to die. I thought I'd never see your face again. Which one? <laughs> what is it? I lost the baby. It's <laughs> alright. Everything's going to be alright. Lord, we thank you for keeping Randy safe, for blessing us both with your light, which has guided us through the darkness. We ask that you receive our enemies with mercy, that their spirits might find their way back to you to be anointed in your love. And we ask that you welcome our son and keep watch over him until the day when we are all reunited once more in the kingdom of heaven. I love you. I love you too. Sometime later, we tried again, and God blessed us once more. My son, Alex. New life does something to you. Watching my little boy crawl across the floor, bottle in his mouth. For the first time in ages, I found myself full of hope. Alex gave me and Randy a reason to look toward a brighter future instead of dwelling in the darkness of the past. There were other assignments. Ramon was right about cutting the head off the snake. No matter how high up the ladder you are, someone's always standing in your shadow waiting to take your place. I'd come so close. Enough to taste the bittersweet satisfaction of vengeance. But better my own conscience be free. He has to live with the consequences of his actions, of his greed, for the rest of his days. Behind bars at Pelican Bay. Dear Heavenly Father, you know the needs that burden our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit, we come before you to confess that you are Lord of all, the gatekeeper to eternal life. Your grace and love abound, even as our sin seems ever increasing. Send us your peace, Lord, the peace that passes all understanding. We humbly ask that when the hour is upon him, you receive our brother Paul, that you allow him to lay his fears at your feet and comfort him as you come to take him home. You are conqueror of all, and so we trust you. We trust that you will do what is right, what is loving. Whether in death or in life, your will is accomplished and you are sovereign. May we know your presence, Lord. Keep us ever aware of your loving hand guiding us through all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, looks like the rain held off. Getting dark. Better be getting home. Randy will be looking for me. I'll look in on you again tomorrow. Bless you. Thank you. The Lion's Den is a production of Voyage Media. The series is produced by Nat Mundell, Robert Midas, Dan Benamore, and Garrick Dion. Executive produced by Dr. Hal Bradley and Victor Mojica. Written and directed by Garrick Dion. Based on the pilot by Chuck Hussmeyer and the book, A Fox in the Lion's Den by Dr. Hal Bradley. You can find the book and all of Dr. Hal Bradley's books at drhalbradley.com or on Amazon. Links are in the show notes. Starring Matt Horn as Hal. Additional cast credits available in the show notes. Edited, sound design, and mixed by Nick Missitti. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening, and subscribe now for future episodes.